0: on today's stuck in a lot of toxicity in the podcast today unfortunately on a serious note we discuss the toxicity in the women's soccer world in the wake of the yates report release because well fuck those people and we spend plenty of time denouncing that and hopefully affecting change since all the nwsl owners listen to our pod Uh, but on a lighter note we we discuss our best toxic starting 11 in a brand spanking new segment inspired by our traveling supporters Oh, and not to mention a full slate of European midweek action. Well, we've got more ground to cover than a Lucas Zeleraion free kick to get the crew into the playoffs. And yes, that was an MLS reference in the intro. So without further ado, let's get stuck in. (laughs) My lover's got no money, he's got his strong beliefs. My lover's got no power, he's got his strong beliefs. My lover's got no pain, he's got his strong beliefs. My lover's got no money, he's got his strong beliefs. One more and more people just want more and more freedom and love. What he's looking for? One more and more people just want more and more freedom and love. What he's looking for? free from desire. Mind and senses purified. free
1: from desire. Mind and senses purified. Feed from desire. Mind and senses purified. Feed from desire.
0: Welcome to Stuck In, a Farmers League Soccer Podcast. Today is Friday, October 7th, 2022. And no time for witticisms. Uh, So let's just dive right into it. Um, And as always, as the greatest soccer podcast in the history of the world, uh, we have to cover all the news. uh, And we're going to start with an absolute bombshell, uh, as terrible as it may be. And and Jared, you and I are going to dive into this, uh, get pretty deep into the weeds here, um, because this is a big one. Um, Although not an unexpected bombshell, uh, because we kind of knew this was in the works. You know, It's been about a year in the making. uh, But yeah, a bombshell, uh, none. The less uh, for the traveling supporters, to give you some context, uh, one year ago, October 2021, um, U.S. Soccer hired a firm to do, uh, I, I mean, just a deep dive, thorough investigation uh, into issues on the women's side of the sport. Uh, and the file uh, called the Yates Report um, was just released the other day. And uh, I mean, boy, Jared, it was way worse than we thought. I mean, literally just even reading, like for me, just reading the table of contents, uh, like sent a shiver down my spine like it was bone chilling stuff
1: yeah I mean I don't even like and and, and it's so vast and, and, and so massive and so wide ranging that it's it's really difficult to know where to begin uh, and you know in, in a number of the, the podcasts and stories I've read about it since then, have all kind of it started with that it's just it's so vast it's so widespread it's so massive that to try and even sort through it is it requires a bandwidth that I'm not sure either you or I have <laughs> just Yeah I mean, no right it, it's like it's very thick like 300 pages uh, it would take I mean it would literally take hours if not days to actually like really like intelligently talk about every single aspect of it Um, And so I think that we should, you know, it's best to preface the conversation we're about to have with the idea that they're like, we're just not equipped to even have the full conversation. We are truly going to do the best that, you know, we kind of can in the time we have to try and sort through, I guess, at least the, the quote-unquote bigger points of this, though, so, you know, obviously they're all big points, and, and again, I, like, where do you even want to start with this?
0: Yeah, so I'll, I'll kick it off. Um, how about, like, a couple of takeaways, I think, um, and, and also the focal point. I mean, the main thing, obviously, we had, uh, you know, read uh, over the past couple of, not just the past year, but the last couple of years, uh, I mean, this has been going on for a very long time, um, just these, these abusive uh, issues, uh, whether it is uh, a coach or a manager or uh, you know something systemic uh, within the women's game um, abusive towards women's players um, uh, specifically the, the report focused on conduct by three nwsl coaches uh Paul riley Rory dames uh, and christy holly uh, and 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 mostly like yeah just here's the bottom line is that everyone well, not everyone but like a lot of people and and most importantly the people in positions of power and authority like knew about this stuff uh that was going on and basically did nothing the key takeaways uh verbal and emotional abuse and sexual misconduct uh were all systemic so not just like one-off things or like just this coach with that team it it was it, it was across the board and a part of the system almost um so as a female player you sort of like expected that this was going to happen um abusive coaches uh were able to move to new clubs after being fired so these guys would do absolutely horrific terrible things um to these female players and again people would know about it but then they would even be able to go to new clubs clubs which by the way those people in leadership knew about the things that they had done but still hired them there third takeaway um, some of those that were involved in uh, in all of these things uh, refused to cooperate with the investigation. So, you know, you can plead the fifth all you want, but like, that's basically an admission of guilt. Um, those that were in charge uh, did little about players complaints. I mean, so uh, again, across the board, Alex Morgan, Megan Rapino, Kristen press, you know, they've all come out and said like, we complained about this stuff and no one did anything about it um and then the last thing i I think that's the takeaway from the report is that it recommends uh a a number of significant fixes um including you know coming from the top from u.s soccer so i think that's a pretty good jumping off point jared
1: yeah and and i think the the things that worry me most uh, i'm going to kind of work forward to back is that you know these are these are recommendations these are not mandates and so now the onus is really on U.S. soccer, the NWSL, Uh, even men's leagues, by the way, because there is stuff in there about young boys being abused as well. This is not, I mean, primarily a female thing, but not entirely a female thing, because the amount of child abuse in in this story is also uh, just an, an, an incomprehensible amount. And so it's now we have this. Situation where so many different groups and leagues and and organizations now need to take this information and try and make sure it doesn't happen in the future. And and the cynical side of me is is not entirely optimistic that this is going to solve or, or you know uh, fix the problem. Certainly not at like the youth level where it's it's nearly impossible to to micromanage that level. Uh, you know, as you said. I think one of the more troubling things is, and we can talk all about the coaches that were abusers and and we've seen this in gymnastics and, and other sports. So um, the up often is worse than the crime. And, and to your point about clubs, you know, firing guys because they knew this was happening, but then uh, publicly making a show saying that they supported them and they were good people. And then, as you said, uh, you know, not telling the other teams or, or not, you know, telling the sport pretty much don't hire this guy. Do not, Uh, You know, this guy should be untouchable for this report to have been, you know, pretty much a a year in the making and for the stories by, you know, the Meg Lenahans, the Seth Yangs of the world and a bunch of other that have just done like ridiculously tireless, like Pulitzer level reporting on this shit. Yeah. Uh, You haven't read their stuff like you can go back and find a year's worth of material. And and I would recommend anybody to do that. And so, you know, that these stories start breaking and guys weren't getting fired right away and people were being defended. Uh, You know, we Portland, I think, is probably the best case just because, you know, we've kind of seen the dominoes start to fall there where like it was pretty much known like Gavin Wilkinson, like did fucking nothing and that he's a fucking monster, too. And then like Merritt Paulson doesn't fire him. And, yeah. or, and he got like a contract extension in like March, like six months after this report was in the works. Like he had to know this was coming. Yeah. And he still gave the guy a contract extension. And so these these people in power, not only the abusers, because that's a very easy thing to say, you are a fucking asshole, you are a monster, but for all the people above them, men, women, mostly men, but but some women too, you know, the one of the old NWSL commissioners who like found out some of this stuff and really didn't do a hell of a lot about it. And just the the utter like gross negligence from top to bottom is, is staggering. It's, mm. it's honestly sickening. Yeah. When I was reading this stuff on Monday, yeah. I was angry. I was viscerally angry. And these are people that we certainly don't know. Um, You know, we know them obviously as public figures, but these are not, you know, friends or family members or anything like that. But these are strangers to me, but just the anger I felt was was on a level that I'm not sure I've ever felt as it pertains to sports.
0: Yeah, dude, hundred uh, percent. The one example that that stood out to me and, uh, sorry, off the top of my head, I forget which coach it is, which is like terrible in and of itself that there there were truly so many of these guys doing so many terrible things that I, I like can't remember which one it was. Uh, so that's fucking terrible in and of itself. Um, but who is the one who uh, like called one of his players into like a one on one you know, film session and is like, I'm going to touch you for every fuck up that you make. Right. And like he would just show her the film and every mistake on film. He would like fucking like reach up her shirt or down her pants. And like that, like what the fuck, dude? Yeah.
1: And again, I mean, there's so many examples, right? That's probably that might be the best example, truthfully. Mm-hmm. And, and and what's troubling to me is that, you know, we both, I, I think at this point, everyone can kind of figure out and knows, you know, anything about us, knows that we have both in our life coached. And we have both taught, we have both been responsible for, for children, uh, you know, teenagers and everywhere in between. And to me, it's like, it's not hard not to do. You have to go so far out of your way to be this big of an asshole. And it's like, it's, it's the, the level of, you know, the, the predatory nature of it. I, I don't, again, I don't even have the words to properly describe it, but it's like the the baseline, the basic human condition is to not do shit like this and so when you have people that that do it for for sport or for fun or for whatever like however you want to phrase that is a level of of monstrosity it's like it's not hard not to do this shit it's not hard to teach uh you know a a high school senior and be have an appropriate relationship it's not hard to coach whether it be female or male male players and be respectful of that relationship And, and so to to have it be situations where I think it was the one of the the, the, one of the teams they hired the psychologist, right, to kind of talk to every player. I think it was in Louisville Mm -hmm. pretty much that she was like her report afterwards was like, yeah, pretty much like 95 percent of these women have been abused and like 70 percent of them don't even know it because it's so pervasive from the time that they're kids that it's just normal to them, that, that it's almost like they expect it in their brain that this shit is going to happen to the point where they don't even recognize that it's abuse. Like that's how systematic it is. That's how just comprehensive it, and normalized it's become. And again, I don't know how you, I don't know how you fix that because you can't get to every youth coach or you can't so, like find every one of these guys and like, it just, it, it leaves me at a loss. I just, I don't know what to think about it. Well, well right, Jared. And and to kind of like
0: bring it full circle, I, I pulled one specific quote from the report. And I, I think like what you just said right there about the systemic nature of it, the fact that like, you know, they don't even know because it has become so normalized. Um, I think this quote encapsulates it perfectly. Uh, yeah, the report makes clear that the problems weren't just about three men. Quote, Um, our investigation has revealed a league in which abuse and misconduct, verbal and emotional abuse and sexual misconduct had become systemic, spanning multiple teams, coaches, and victims. Abuse in the NWSL is rooted in a deeper culture in women's soccer, beginning in youth leagues that normalizes verbally abusive coaching and blurs boundaries between coaches and players, end quote. And that's the thing. It's like, what was, what was that old, uh, th- th- that old story about like, you know, the two fish swimming by and then, you know, one of the, uh, they see another fish swimming past them and, and, and he's like, yo, how's the, you know, how's the water today? And then one looks at the other and it's like, what's water, you know? Cause like, if you are surrounded by it so much so often that you just, you don't even recognize it anymore. And like, if you're telling me that this type of behavior, this type of abuse is so common and prevalent, not just at the professional level, but at the youth level that it's truly become like unrecognizable to girls. Like it, this is like a much, much bigger problem than we thought it was.
1: And it's a societal one. This isn't about sports. It's about a, a, a culture that we've had. I mean, obviously look, you know, rape of an abuse of young girls and boys is not exclusive to sports we 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 can look at just people in general we can look at you know i mean you know the the catholic priest scandal and stuff where like it's it's widespread so it's not like it's just a sports situation but now but somehow the onus still has to be on the sport to try and figure out a way to handle it as best possible and they can't they literally can't even if even if you give them the benefit of the doubt that they will do their their righteous best (laughs) by all the, 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 the men, women, boys and girls that play this sport. It is so pervasive in society that, that they're screwed. And so the best we can hope for is that at the end of the, at the end of it all, more good people than bad end up in positions of power, whether it be coaches, whether it be teachers, whether it be the, the clergy, whether it be politicians, whatever it is, that we just that somehow in our society we, the, the, the good outnumber the bad and we can try and change the, the course of this, Again, the cynical side of me looks at this whole situation and goes, "Well, I don't know about that because it's not like this shit's getting any better across the board, you know. We, you know, yeah. to, to you know, touch any of those third rails, but it's like it's just like I think that the sport is a reflection of the society that it that it uh, that it reflects, and I think that it's not only unique to this. I think if we look at the Middle East and we look at certain parts of the world where." you know, women aren't treated well, that extends to soccer, that extends to basketball, that extend. we've had, we've talked so much about this stuff. And it just, it leaves me empty, because, you know, we can fire all these guys in the world, and we can make these guys sell teams and and so on. And that's literally, I mean, just putting such the tiniest band-aid in the world on a a shotgun blast.
0: Yeah, 100%. um, and, And I think we've, we've done it. Uh, as best as we, you know, justice as best as we can uh, here on this podcast. I think we're going to mostly uh, leave it at that. But but we are starting to see some uh, some immediate effects, right? Uh, obviously in Portland, uh, you know, they're taking action over there. You know, coaches have been fired, uh, this, that, and the other thing. But it, it's going to take like way, way more than that. Uh, and and yeah, these these fixes that are recommended. Uh, I mean, that's really just the starting point. Um, so we can. And if,
1: and if we just lastly, and if we and if we try and just think about the soccer of it, which, again, is so far not the most important thing here. But it's like, you know, you look at these situations and I look at a Portland and I'm like, here's a here's a situation where the fans, by and large, have turned against not only the management that has now been fired, but the owner and the players have turned against the owner. And it's like, like, what are we supposed to do with that as fans of the sport? Like. And the, like, are we supposed to root against Portland now? Are we supposed to, like, hope that this guy fails so miserably that he's forced to sell the team? But right. that's not fair because the people, the fans, and the players are not to blame here. Like, right, the the girls who play for the Thorns, many of whom, again, were abused. Like, like how do we even...
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and sorry to draw a parallel, but also, like, with, with your Newcastle, like we've talked about before, like, we're not cheering against Eddie Howe. We're not cheering against Miguel Almiron. Like, we're cheering against, you know, a fucking autocratic... Uh, nation state, uh, you know, that bought the club with oil money. Uh, so it's like, it's hard to make that distinction. But, like, yeah, like, what do you do?
1: Like, how am I supposed to like sit here and say, I don't want the Portland Thorns to win because of this? But that means, like, you know, Becky Sauerbrod, who has said all the right things and has been an incredible leader for for women's players in the sport, that means she has to fail.
0: Yeah, my girl, Lindsay Horan. Like, I don't want her to lose. I don't, you know?
1: I don't want these people to fail. But I don't want their owners to succeed, and you know, and and as you said, I think the Newcastle one's a, a very good example, and and you know, it's, it's not a Dan Snyder situation. Where it's like, hey, this guy's just an asshole, and I want him to fail. Like, it's it, it's so much more black and white. It's so much more cut and dry. This is so complex on a on a human level. Certainly on a sporting nature, it's like, and you want like like you just, I don't know, it's like kind of like you almost want these players to be like, we're not playing until like you sell the team or so. Like you wish that there was a way for them to take that stand. I know it's not. Uh, really all that possible but like i just i wish there was a way that like we could at least get even like you know five to ten percent of the way there to feeling even like remotely comfortable with any of this
0: yeah, 100 uh, percent. And again, like I said, Jared, I, th- I think, uh, yeah, we, we, we've done it as much justice as we can. Um, and, and and yeah, we're eventually going to get to the usual stuff here. Uh, but let's let's keep it rolling here, Jared, because uh, obviously, you know, <laughs> the world is a terrible place. And for some reason, we don't uh, learn from our lessons at all. Uh, next topic here is that uh, I, I mean, I feel like it's fucking deja vu here, dude. Uh, in, in Argentina, um, we have uh, another uh, fan and police incident involving yep you guessed it fucking tear gas Uh, I mean literally just a few days after uh, a crush in Indonesia that we covered Uh, obviously everyone knows about at this point that left 131 people dead Uh, but in Argentina a league match uh, gymnasia uh, against Boca Juniors I think everyone knows them Um, yeah just just another Facilities fuck up here. Uh, Stadium is already completely full. People outside trying to push in through the gates. So naturally, what do the police do? And again, we talked about it last time, dude, like they're just under trained. They they, they panic. They're human beings. Uh, And so they just start firing rubber bullets and tear gas. Um, And, and and yeah, I mean, I get, it's terrible to say, you know, that, that like, thank God only one person died. You know what I mean? Like, that's obviously super insensitive, but, but like, yeah, like this could have been worse. And especially from what we just saw a few fucking days ago.
1: Yeah, you would think, especially if this is again knowing that something happened five days ago, you would not shoot tear gas towards the stadium. Uh, but no, here we go, and, and this was a situation where truly the tear gas like reached the field. This is not just the fans in the stands, and obviously as bad as it's the players that are you know that are choking and on the field, and, and as you said, I mean, again, fortunately, uh, you know, one person passed away uh, as of this you know as of this recording. I, it doesn't seem like there's anything else. Man. Uh now we're, we're right back to square one with this. And and it, it, the funny part is shortly before I saw the story, I actually saw a story out of Indonesia where they're like, hey, they started the arrest and they have started arresting both fans and police, some of each. And I was like, OK, for as bad as a situation as it is, at least so far, it looks like it's being handled the, the correct way. Right. You're not just pitting it on the fans. Right. We, we talk about the Champions League thing where it's like, oh, the fans just. Blah, blah, blah. And that, you know, Indonesia started taking the steps to be like, yeah, there was police misconduct here. There was absolutely, like, this is not a one-sided thing. And yeah. then, right away, it's like, oh, it happened again. And so it's just like, oh, like, my God, like, how, how do you not... <sighs> again, I'm like, I guess this is like the the wordiest, least wordiest podcast ever, because like, I'm saying a lot to say nothing, because I just, I, I'm rambling, because I don't know. My my brain fails to make connections right now. They're, they're not, there's...
0: Yeah, and, and we've, we've done it before with... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we and we've done it before with like the racism thing and just like all these problems that like just continue to rear their ugly head. And everyone says something about it. Everyone sends their thoughts and prayers and all that bullshit. You know, school shootings—you could take it to you know that level. Like we, you know, like we talked about before with uh, uh, larger societal issues. Uh, but yeah, just it just seems like. It, it, nothing ever changes. Um, And and it's just such a shame. And, and, you know, you do send your, uh, your heart out to those people who are affected by it. Obviously people dying. Um, Yeah. yeah. So Jared, I think, uh, I don't know. What do you say? Should we get to the banter?
1: Uh, Just about, let's, since we're moving from like the worst news to the least worst news right before we do it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We're
0: transitioning out of like the, the the worst thing then like the not as worst thing. And then like, okay, yeah, let's, let's uh, do it progressively here.
1: Um, Yeah. So a couple more injuries. And and again, now we're starting to reach the point, right, where these are the injuries that start happening. Do not need to be major injuries for a player to miss the World Cup. Right. We're talking about these six to eight week, you know, these four to six week injuries, these kind of things. right? you strain a hamstring at this point? It could be a problem Uh, two this week. Two players actually both in Group B that are now uh, possibly not going to are going to be in a race for fitness. Kyle Walker. Uh, obviously England defender mm. had thigh surgery just the other day uh, is again, been rolled out in about that six week window. So okay. uh, right up against it. And uh, Iranian striker and, and, and Trent Alexander Arnold is like fist pumping in the back room. Well, yeah, but then Reese James plays a game of soccer and uh, ah, right, right, right. Okay. Yeah, okay. Uh, and then Iranian forward Sardar as of Bayer Leverkusen also has been injured. And again, they, they're kind of putting the same, you know, six to eight week time frame on him. So he will be a race uh, as well. And, and obviously we've been talking about, out. Pretty much since the league season started, there are going to be these every week, and uh, you know these are the two this week. And again, now each week, the injury you know, the threshold is less and less and less before you know you miss a World Cup. So again, uh, obviously as an American fan, you know, like I hate that shit on Twitter, but it's like as a U.S. fan, what do I want, but you know, you don't want these guys to miss uh, you know a World Cup because of injury. So my, you know, hopefully they they are able to to represent their countries. Obviously, Iran, we've talked about the world of of. um controversy and trouble that that you know that they're having right now as a national team and they certainly don't need this on top of it so uh, best for both of those guys to heal up and hopefully they're on the field uh, in a couple months
0: yes sir um right the, the the injuries are racking up and and you know we've covered this before about all these guys looking ahead you know th- this might be part of what they're worried about like maybe i won't go into that crunching tackle you know in a league fixture a- as much as i used to because i i just have bigger things on the horizon
1: yeah. And I get, you know, they always say, right, if you if you're if you're worried about getting injured, you're like 10 times more likely to get injured. Right? Exactly. Yeah. So if, if our if, as you said, if our if our kind of long term hypothesis has any validity to it at all, uh, this is not entirely, you know, it's, altogether unsurprising and again a lot of these injuries have been you know the strains and the pulls and they're not contact injuries these aren't guys getting their ankles broken or whatever in a hard challenge these are a lot of these are non-contact kind of injuries you know even when um
0: oh so you mean like more long-term fatigue stuff which is shocking because it's not like they've played you know like okay. games <laughs> in the last hundred days
1: right yeah it's the human body is totally normal it is completely used to doing this much stuff with this much stress and so Dude, we're, we're trotting these players out like they're fucking gumby for god's sakes yeah, I, like well, again, let me just sit here and go. Uh, I don't know.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right. Um. Yeah. Any other injuries to report, Jared? Is
1: that it for right yeah. now? God willing, that is it for right now.
0: Okay, very good. Uh, and yeah, our last topic here uh, in in you know the latest edition of who fucking cares and things that don't matter. Uh, the new FIFA rankings are out, uh, and uh, Jared, I think we've we've covered as well just how ridiculous these things are and the way they calculate the points and the coefficients and everything. So who really cares that much? Um, but yeah, you know, again, greatest soccer podcast in the history of the world. We got to cover it. Uh, Brazil will go into the Qatar World Cup uh, as your number. one. One in the world, uh, Belgium dropped to two, uh, which I think is still pretty high for them. To be honest with you, uh, but Argentina three, France and England rounding out the top five. Uh, just all the usual suspects, pretty much. Uh, a couple movers and shakers. The the US. Uh, dropping down to 16th, which, you know, is obviously no surprise whatsoever. Uh, Mexico is now ranked higher than us, which is kind of like a head scratcher, too, to be honest with you. Um, But, yeah, and then you could just go down the line. Google it yourself if you want to. Uh, But, yeah, for – Come on. I know
1: know you want to tell everyone who number six is.
0: Uh, You know, that's why I stopped at the top five (laughs) right there. <laughs> number six, the number six country in the world according to the fifa coca-cola rankings uh is a team that will not be at the world cup in qatar uh, and that is italy yes yeah <laughs> it's just amazing
1: in the uefa nations league
0: yeah uh, it's hilarious uh denmark in the top 10 that's pretty cool i i again i
1: i watch out for them man.
0: Uh, they are just uh just that solid team oriented group man i'd be worried about them Yes. Wales nineteenth, Iran twentieth. Uh, dude, it's just like I, I get more and more, just like we we talked about it. You know, uh, what was it? The, the one pod, two pods ago about about the U.S. and the and the group stage, and and I'm just looking at the I'm I'm fucking I'm just so pessimistic right now.
1: <laughs> give it time, give it time. You won't, uh, you'll better in five weeks. Okay, you know you- I hope
0: so. I hope so. All right. Um. Yeah. Let's leave that at that uh th- that'll do it for the topics. Um, yeah, wow, uh, let, let's actually get into uh, the, the, the proper banter here. Uh, believe it or not, Jared, uh, despite all of that, um, yeah, let's not forget that uh, Europe happened this midweek, uh, Champions League, Europa League, Conference League, all that good stuff. Um, so let's kick it off with our segments here, uh, European Nonsense featuring Jared Rebeck. We'll uh, we'll start with the Champions League uh, and go day by day, uh, a couple of Europa League events. What w- w- There was Conference League play, right, obviously? Yeah, yeah.
1: One or two, I guess, mildly interesting results from there as well. You, you know, they uh, always it always gives us a little bit, just a, just a nibble.
0: Yeah, a nibble. Okay, good. Yeah, we'll, we'll save uh, that little nibble, the best for last there. Uh, but yeah, let's start it off with Champions League on Tuesday. Uh, Byron back to form, uh, you know, in the least shocking result probably of the window. 5-0 uh, over Victoria pleasing, uh, And then a few other uh, results that I highlighted, Jared. But, but are, are Byron back on track? After waxing, I mean, again, I, I, I,
1: I, they're they're going to play Dortmund this weekend, and and not that Dortmund is is covering themselves in, in overall glory right now, but I still would like to see them do it against a team that is not kind of in a free fall right now. Obviously, like look, Bayern, good, bad, or indifferent should beat Pilsen five nothing at home. Uh, obviously, this one could have been far worse, five so nothing. It was almost hmm. kind. I don't want to say kind, but it was. About as best as, as Pilsen could hope for, given how, you know, certainly how a start and everything else. I mean, even Chupo Motang getting on the score sheet in this one. I mean, just everyone, you know, getting their turn. Uh, mm. I, I would say they're you know, all like, yes, please. And can I have right. another? Mm. There you go. Uh, <laughs> uh, but if, you know, if if Bayern comes over the weekend and, and you know, beats Dortmund 3 0 or something like that, I'll feel more comfortable saying they're back. They certainly do look like they're playing with a lot more. Uh, confidence than they were before the international break. So it's probably, they're probably back. I just, I just want to wait to see it a little bit more.
0: All right. Very good. Um, Club Bruges, Bruges, beautiful city, beautiful result. Uh, Jared, two 0 over at Atletico Madrid. Uh, they've won three on the bounce and, and they're top of their group. Like who would have thunk it? Actually, well, this, you know what? Yeah. Club Bruges. I mean, like they're a fucking juggernaut at
1: this point. Obviously, this is probably, in many ways, the most surprising result of of this round of games, That you could argue. Uh, It's funny because I said in the last, uh, you know, after the second group stage, you know, because um, Leverkusen beat Atletico, and I said that might be a bad result for Bruges because it's almost better for Bruges if them and Atletico just, you know, kind of go crazy, and that way they don't have to worry about a third team. And then they, and I said, they're going to have to beat Atletico in, like, one of these two matches if they really want to feel good. And Sure shit, right? They they beat a, a very mediocre-looking Atletico side, and it would take, I mean, a, a collapse of epic proportions for Brugge uh, not to get out of the group. And I think they would only – I think Anderlecht did it, like, once. But they would literally be, like, the second Belgian team ever to to get out of a group, and it's a, it's a really cool story. Uh, I think they've been fun to watch. And uh, what I've seen, I know, like, I think certainly – I think one of—I feel like one of their games was played earlier. I saw a lot of one of their games for whatever reason. I was like, "Damn, this is—they're just fun to watch." And yeah. that's not—you wouldn't think that about a like what is considered to be like, you know, like a, a top third Belgian team, but not certain again. They're not Enderlet. they're—they're they're not, uh, you know, Standard as You for years and years was kind of like you know the other, and, and just to see them kind of out-tactic, you know, with the Atléticos and the Ports of the world has just been a joy so far.
0: Yeah, very good. Uh, Yeah, the Belgians are humming, not just Bruges, but uh, I think we might say a word about Union St. gilloise or Jawa or whatever it is uh, in in Europa League. Uh, Cool little result for them as well. Um, Yeah, Naples 6, Ajax 1. Yeah, sure, a red card in this game for Ajax, but, uh, you know, Naples were already playing them off the park uh, at that point. Um, I mean, this was just like a shellacking, right? Not just Ajax's worst uh, European loss, but I, I think like their worst loss ever or something
1: like that wouldn't surprise me and at home on top of it right yeah yeah these games i can understand why these games sometimes get away from you on the road it is very rare that they get away from you like this at home and remember Ajax actually scored first in this game uh you know our boy Kudus, right who seems to score mm. a goal game and this one more of the accidental variety kind of just you know kind of almost like hockey style his leg was in the right place at the right time mm. and then napoli just i mean just beat the shit out like i don't even know how to how to properly illustrate what happened in this game, but when, when Raspadori,
0: 18th minute, Di Lorenzo, 33rd, Zalinski in the 45th, Raspadori again, 47th minute in the 63rd minute. And then, you know, Troleto and in, in the 81st after the red.
1: Yeah. And it's just, and, and look, Napoli for, for years, has been one of those teams that would like they're on game. Is as cool as like any any team in the world, right? Because they've always had a good attacking talent. They've always kind of played, uh, you know, again a more attacking style. And when they get going, they they can be like this. But uh, God, I and I we've seen that Even when they played Liverpool, obviously they they put a beat down on them. But it didn't look anything like this. I mean, this was just. You know, this is what it looks like when, you know, like your Germany plays, you're like your are Andorra and like you're qualifying. And it's like you're, you're not playing professional players. And they made Ajax look like just flat amateurs in this match. And that is difficult to do because Ajax is obviously such a good team.
0: Yeah. Let's just say they were hogging the spotlight on the Galazzo show. It felt oh, like it they literally not- just kept cutting back to the game like every two minutes.
1: Yeah. Uh, definitely uh if you know uh, look i always say watch the Galazo show but this might be one of the rare examples of watching an entire match might actually have been the uh the wiser decision just because of just how how mesmerizing their attack was yeah yeah uh the complete opposite of that though uh eintracht
0: frankfurt nil spurs nil uh I- i'm pretty sure I-, I i saw more than one player like drift off to like like literally their eyelids were like drooping uh, and falling asleep at one point
1: <laughs> Yeah, not much happening. Again, Galazzo uh, going to Napoli nonstop did not spend a lot of time at Frankfurt. This is yeah. the – there's always one match in that six that, like, mm-hmm. you always kind of, like, forgets happening because they've only gone to it, like, twice. You know, mm-hmm. like, the NFL red zone where it's, like, the one game where nobody's ever in the red zone and you, like, actually forgot it's happening. Yeah, uh, Jags-Texans. <laughs> was, right, yeah. Like, this. that was this match. Like, I literally, until about the 85th minute, like, forgot this was a match that was happening. Uh, and then I was like, oh, yeah, this Spurs on the road in Europe. Of course, they're not going to win. So, this actually makes perfect sense.
0: All right. Um, in, uh, I guess, a, a bit of a surprising result, uh, or I don't know. Uh, what do you think, Jared? Uh, Inter 1, Barca nil. Uh, kind of uh scoring in stoppage time of the first half. Uh, and then Barcelona just not being able to get on the board. Uh, you know, your classic, you know, 70 30 possession and uh, this, that, and the other thing. We just, you know, we've insert, uh, you know, repetitive phrase here. Uh, and we've seen that movie before, but yeah, but Barcelona just not able to, uh, not just equal, not just win the game, not even able to equalize.
1: Yeah. And a bit unlucky, obviously. Uh, I think it's, I don't understand why there wasn't a penalty for the handball on, uh, Dumfries in stoppage time. Uh, like he even knew it was a penalty. Like you could tell by his body language that he just like, Oh shit. Like they, they got me, they go to VAR, And for some reason, uh, they don't give the penalty. Uh, you know insert commentary about handball rule here Uh, well yeah and and we do have to I think spend a little bit of time on this
0: here Jared because they were a bit hard done by and and we don't want to just like retread all that stuff about the handball rule and everything uh or or maybe we have to kind of touch it a little bit uh but but the bottom line is and and it's summed up perfectly in studio with Jamie Carragher like Thierry Henry like, remember when they brought in Christina Uncle, like, their referee expert, to, like, explain this thing? And and Thierry Henry, he literally just has his head down on the desk while Jamie Carragher, it, like, his, his voice has gone up, like, three octaves of a pitch in incredulity. Just like, Christina, wow, it's just not a penalty. It's a handball, isn't it? It's a handball, handball. <laughs> and, like, they were just truly incredulous over the fact that this was just not called a
1: handball. How can you get away with this? I, I, I don't know. Like, I, and, like. Yeah where like right i mean there it it, it, it
0: it you know uh beggar's belief uh to the point where you, you kind of say, like, th- this is an injustice done to Barcelona. And, and you know, it's well-documented on this pod how we feel about Barcelona pulling their financial levers. And uh, we kind of cheer for Javi a little bit and all that stuff. But, but yeah, you just – you have to feel bad for them. Uh, they were fucked in this game. Like, and Javi, let's just call it what it is. They were right.
1: fucked. And Javi – and I think Javi was perfect in his post game because he obviously said he didn't – he, he thought it was a bad call. But what he was actually really more upset at was – How on earth do refs, and we've talked about this, like why don't refs have to explain themselves to somebody? Like even like they don't do it on the field. They don't have to talk to the media. I guess at some point, maybe someone from the ref union, like calls them up and says, Hey, what did you see? And, And it never is publicized. And it's like, you know what? When a goalie lets in five goals, he has to talk about it. When the manager gets gets yep. done by the other, you know, Ten Hag has to talk after, you know, getting eviscerated by City. And, and you know, uh, Hugo Oris needs to talk about it after giving up, you know, weakening a goal to Arsenal. And like this, you know, you catch a red card, you have to explain it. And these refs can make these decisions. And, and again, they don't even have to say, this is what I saw. Or this is why I think it was a handball. Or this is why I don't think it was a handball. Like, so we just can sit here and go, what were they thinking? I have no fucking idea because he doesn't have to say it. And and Barcelona certainly deserved to draw in this match, not just because of that call. I mean, I thought they played well enough to get a draw. And if you had a draw on the road with Inter, then you beat Inter at home. You go to your knockout stages like whatever, even if you're not going to beat Bayern. And now obviously they're they're going to have to win at home against Inter by, you know, if ideally for them more than one goal, right. right. To, to kind of get that goal difference on them. And, uh, and that's unfortunate for them because they did not deserve this. And if they end up in the Europa league and again, like they are on the financial precipice right now, we talked about these levers only work if they get to the quarterfinals of the champions league or whatever. And, and if that ends up not happening, uh, because of a call like this, while we can laugh at the karma, we, we, you have to be objective and say they, man they they really got a raw one here and, and it's it is and again like we might laugh at the the ownership and everything else but the players obviously don't deserve it either
0: yeah yeah 100 percent. and to your point about accountability uh hat tip to uh to guardian or actually it might have been totally a football show uh but but they were and as much as we malign the mls uh you know one of the the, the podcast guests was like you know, guys, they have it. They do it right over there, and there's there are actually a lot of really good things about American sports that we should sort of you know take note of and, and uh, inject into our game over here. Uh, and and one of the things is that they trot out the referees after the game. Journalists are allowed to ask them questions, and they're actually held accountable uh, for their actions on the field, and the, and they have to explain calls that they make. Uh, and, and so yeah, as much as we malign the
1: MLS, like they get that part right. <laughs> And even better and and not even better, but additionally, like there's a there's a Twitter feed. There's a it's almost like an automated Twitter feed that just literally explains the explains the call. Mm. on every bar decision and now it doesn't explain necessarily what the referee saw but it says hey there was a bar review because of potential handball the ref ruled that there is a handball yeah you know, there is a penalty because of a handball on number five or there is you know, it was judged not to be a handball on number five or there was a foul on number 32 or whatever it is yeah, yeah like you can and again we can then say we can we can then d- disagree with it but at least when that guy goes to the monitor we know exactly what they're looking at and we know exactly the decision they made and as you said it, it goes better than that where we we do get some explanations and everything else but even during the game if i'm a fan of the team and i see a VAR decision that i think goes against my team at least they attempt to make some explanation they at least get to say hey look you might not like this but at least here's what we did and and here's why and and, it, and it, as a fan it, it gives you some some semblance of, of peace of mind that at least they're trying to do the right thing and they're human, so they're not going to be perfect, but at least there's an effort.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and we've said it before, and we'll say it again. And, and as a player and a coach as well, it's like, you know what? It- I might disagree with your explanation, but like, like just give me the explanation, you know, like (laughs) just at least tell me, but, but anyways, we we don't need to uh, beat that dead horse. I think yes, uh, transparency and referee accountability is important. Um, Yeah. Last one I highlighted here on Tuesday, uh, Liverpool two Rangers, nil uh, Trent Alexander Arnold still cannot defend or play in the midfield, but he sure can hit a peach of a free kick.
1: Yeah. And uh, I think Liverpool will feel decent enough about this Uh, again. Rangers uh, probably is not good enough to be a group stage Champions League team. Uh, but if you're really- and Van like-
0: Broncour said as much, which yeah. kind of pisses me off though, he's like, we, you know, us small clubs, we can't compete with these big money teams. And where and, and you know, was it just a few years ago, you know, that Leicester City wins the Premier League? Like if you actually look across the board uh, in these European competitions, oh, did we literally just talk about Club Bruges against Athletic? Like they're winning their group. Okay. Just like stop hiding behind this excuse of being a smaller club. What what was Johan Cruyff's? Uh, uh, quote, he was like, I've never seen a sack of money kick a ball before.
1: (laughs) And not only that, I think it's even particularly amusing when somebody from Rangers or Celtics says that, given what their domestic league looks like. Right, right, yeah. Um, But I think if you're, from the Liverpool perspective, I don't think you should be all that happy because you didn't score from the run of play, right? You had the free kick, as you talked about. Second goal is a penalty by Salah, who probably needed a goal of any kind, kind of for his confidence right now. He's just not having the best start to the season. Uh, but I think if you're at Liverpool, you probably still feel a little uneasy about the utter inability to score from the run of play. That you're generating chances, but you're not finishing them. And while that's easy enough to beat Rangers 2-0 at Anfield, uh, there's a little team called Arsenal that is playing very well that you have to play on the weekend. And even though this performance was better, I don't think this performance was good enough to beat Arsenal on current form. So I, I think that Liverpool feel good to get the three points, obviously with I X taking that big loss against Napoli and Rangers, just not being a factor. Liverpool knows what like. they're getting to the knockouts. They need to try and beat Napoli to win the group. Uh, you know, obviously they need to try and beat them big to win the group, but um, which probably isn't going to happen, but it, uh, they still need, I think they, they know that it's still not, where they want to be right now. And they still need to to clean it up quite a bit.
0: Yes. Jared, now you are talking my language. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that game on Sunday, man. I think that is a, definitely a statement for us, the way Liverpool's got our goat uh, for the last couple of years. Um, That's all I got for Tuesday there, Jared, anything to add or can we move on to Wednesday?
1: Uh, no, just a normal, you know, Leverkusen being Leverkusen and losing again and again. Try and make sense of that. I can't. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, uh, some
0: mysteries are, are better left uh, unsolved, I think. Um, and Leverkusen is one of them. All right, uh, Wednesday. Uh, right, kick it off with Real Madrid 2, Shakhtar 1. Uh, I mean, like, honestly, Jared, are Real Madrid just, like, fucking with us? Like, do they do this on purpose? or Or do they really leave it this late in, like, literally – every game uh because that's just who they are now like i like this doesn't make sense to me again all's well that ends well three points or three points uh but but yeah just like shaktar uh, you know i don't know like you should be beating them a lot more handily than this and definitely not letting them back in the game after going up two nil
1: yeah and, and again i think shaktar a chance or two to really you know that that uh, Lunin had to really, you know, be alert for, it. and I think Shaktar could have almost stolen a point here. wouldn't have It wouldn't have been deserved, but they you know, they certainly had their chances. To your point, yeah, M- Mudric had a breakaway uh, when it was two one. Like
0: he could he could have equalized. It's like. Yeah yeah i don't
1: know, I don't know like, like i feel like madrid's kind of like if you're playing like one-on-one basketball with something like with like a 10 year old and like you just go like the first five points you're like okay there's like literally no chance i could ever lose this game and so like every you know like i'll just fuck around for a while and then if it ever gets to be like five three or like six four then i'll just i'll put a little bit more distance between us you know and, and, and like just you know kind of make them feel like f- make them feel good about things yeah <laughs> give them a little bit of a, a false hope i don't know it just Look, we've talked about Madrid a lot in the league, certainly as well. And it's just, they just seem to be kind of in this coasting kind of mood where it's like, okay, we know we have better players than the other teams we're playing. We're just going to kind of just move through these games. We're going to win them. It's not going to look convincing. But, you know, again, except for that draw last weekend where even then they missed the late penalty where they should have probably won it too late. Uh, they just win games by a goal or two and they're just comfortable. And there's a top of, all, you know, the Champions League group by five points and they're, you know, pretty much at the top of La Liga with Barcelona comfortably. And, you know, but I think what, I think the, the first, Uh, Madrid Barcelona game, I think it might be like next weekend or, you know, it's coming up, I think by the end of the month. So uh, we'll have to see if they when it comes down to brass tacks, if they can turn it on or or whether or not this really is kind of a, a problem, because right now it seems like it could be a problem. But the results are just so one sided that it's hard to believe it actually is.
0: Yeah, 100%. Um, all right, moving on here. Your Honeybees getting the result uh, in probably the the most fitting, most appropriate uh, last game of the Lopetegui era at Sevilla, uh, Dortmund 4, Sevilla 1. Uh, yeah, and his, this was his testimonial, his farewell uh, in the least shocking news in something that everyone saw coming. Uh, th- they basically announced this was his last game. In charge, Um, and I'm not sure, Jared. Do do they have someone lined up, or do they have a few candidates, or or what's going on? Oh, they pretty
1: much already hired uh, Sampioli. Sampioli, okay, yeah, who's I think managed every team in the world at this point. Uh, Probably most (laughs) famous for his his work with Chile. I I believe you know back in like the 2014 era. Uh, Yeah, this was you know. It's funny when when you have a team that you root for and you care about and they win, this is about this was about the the worst you can feel after a win. Because you, you just feel for a left. Hmm. He loved being there. They gutted the fucking team and obviously it wasn't working. We know we had to move on. And like just him after the game, like he was saying, you know, waving to the fans and he was pretty much crying on the field. Like yep. it, it meant that much to him. And it was it was a very bittersweet uh, you know, kind of thing for me to watch. Again, you know, being happy Dortmund won, feeling good for, because finally they put together like a ninety minute performance that looked like they were a real soccer team and then just knowing that it, at the expense of which was, you know, we knew he was going to lose his job either way, but just to see him on the field and then everything else. And, you know, the players just having this look like, you know, like you, where you could tell they were absorbing a lot of that responsibility at least. Yeah. And so it's just a, a real crappy kind of situation. Uh, and, you know, yeah, and, l- Lest we forget these are
0: human beings with emotions and, and this was something that this guy really cared about coaching right. is his passion. And, and yeah, for him to, You don't have to leave this way. That that's a tough one. It was it was it
1: was not it was not great. Uh, It was very sad at the end, and and I hope that you know he gets back on his feet quickly. I'm sure. Look, I I don't think he'll be out of work very long. There's you know he's a good enough manager, and there's enough jobs that are inevitably going to open up. So hopefully he'll he'll be hired somewhere. You know with with relative uh, speed. And I think that just based on the situation itself, wherever he does go, I think he'll just be in a much better uh, spot to to be
0: successful. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Yeah, uh, next result here, a fun one. Uh, Benfica one, PSG one, sharing the points there. Uh, yeah, a bit of messy magic for for PSG's only uh, goal and and uh, a Danilo own goal, uh, the only score for Benfica. But yeah, it's it's enough to take a point in front of the home fans. That's I, I'd say that's pretty big
1: for me. Yeah, certainly. And and again, look, we, we, and why this is really so big is to remember, this is the group that PSG and Juventus are supposed to get out of, right? And for Benfica to steal a point against PSG could be that difference between, you know, getting the knockouts or, or ending up in the Europa League. And look, I, PSG were better and, and really pushed for the, the winner. Uh, Benfica tried to nip one on the, you know, nip another one on the counterattack. Uh, it was a very hard fought game near the end. I think there was pretty much almost a full out, there, there were definitely some pleasantries exchanged after the final whistle. Neymar was involved, not surprisingly. And, and so, you and know, it was a very feisty game. It was a very testy game. It was a very interesting game. It was a game that was, you know, kind of interested me enough just because of the rest of the games in that window where there were a lot of blowouts and, and not a lot of exciting games. Like, Galazzo was showing a lot of this this match, not surprisingly. And it was, it seemed like it was, you know, from what I can tell, it was a, a really good back and forth match. I think Benfica were, were good to get a point out of it. And, and you know, it, it's always good to see kind of anybody look at, you know, step up with the big boys and, and at least take a small bite.
0: All righty. There you have it. Uh, and moving on the flying Halans uh, five, some other team, nil, uh, yeah, like, like I said, Holland is, he's like a magnet. The ball just comes to him. Uh, and I think you said, uh, you were like, uh, it, to be that good, but then also that lucky. And you're just like, you're just completely fucking screwed. Uh, and then plus Copenhagen with like a double doink own goal. Uh, and you're like, just no chance, no chance.
1: Here. I mean, to be fair, you got to give the defender credit on that really, he decided that, uh, Holland was not going to score a hat trick on his watch. Yeah, it was like, no, no, this is not going to happen. You know, kind of like in Smash Brothers, when you're like 500%, you just jump off the cliff before you give the guy the satisfaction
0: (laughs) uh,
1: of killing you himself. Uh, Yeah, so he just did that. And and, uh, good for City also to just be able to, I guess, essentially just take off. You know, I think they made like, I guess they just took Holland off at halftime, getting, you know, Cancelo off early, getting Silva off early, putting in the 80s and 90s boys. Uh, you know, to get to get some Champions League run. Obviously, this is a, a group that they're going to win going away, and and you know, again, like Pleasant before them, Copenhagen just just happy to be on the same field, I guess. You know, the, yeah. I think uh, Grealish was saying that after one of the, I think after the, one of the goals or something, he like overheard the goalie just kind of like, he's talking to the heavens above pretty much being like, <laughs> this guy's like an alien, like he's not human. And like the guy's just looking at it, like his, his, his God being like, why have you done this to me? I want to be on the same field as this, you know, this God of soccer. And and so, you know, again, like that's what he is. So, and, and we say it every week and, and it's just, it's always funny when you get that kind of, you know, when they, when people say it about Messi or they say it about Ronaldo or they say it about Holland, where it's like, you have professional guys were at the top of the, you know, the top point oh oh one percent of players on earth being like, this guy's not playing the same sport as I am. Uh, I think it's just, you know, tells you everything you need to know.
0: Yeah. W- would you say they were not able to Copenhagen with Haland? Do you want
1: people to keep listening to this?
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I do not, sir. <laughs> uh yes 80 cole palmer 82 Rico lewis 97 josh wilson s brand uh yeah trotting out everyone and just getting the results i'm trying to deflect as quickly as possible from the worst dad joke of all time uh that one's for nibs though uh and then yeah my last note was uh both red bulls won uh and yeah i think that pretty much does it for champions league
1: you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna do chelsea like that
0: yeah i just (laughs) i don't know like grand potter has you know become so posh since he moved to, to London and uh, I just I'm still pissed about Pulisic and this that and the other things well you know all right fine talk about Chelsea if
1: you want. Uh, I, I just actually I think the bigger thing is we talked about injuries before Fofana who actually got the which is by the way one of the most hilarious uh, uh, segments of a game I've seen in some time just like Tiago Silva getting unmarked header after unmarked header like what three in a row off corner kicks and then like just getting stoned every time unguarded and then like the other center back like puts it down on the rebound uh, but then actually Fofana get hurt in this game uh, while well, to monitor his injury uh, going forward. But I, in, I think this is about as well as Chelsea's played all season. Uh, Milan really no-showed this one. I know they've they've been banged up a lot, but uh, Chelsea needed this win because this is, you know, we've talked a lot about, oh, PSG is going to win the group and, and Madrid is going to win the group. This is one of those groups right now that is, you know, Salzburg five, Chelsea four, Milan four, Zagreb three. Uh, this one looks like this might be the fun one, right, coming into group stage five and six. Mm. Chelsea needed this win. They finally kind of maybe played to their potential. Mason Mount still sucks. Uh, yeah, yes it.
0: yeah I, you know I will I will give a shout to the Reese James goal it's just like that's it, it's fucking textbook he, he does it every time and, and like no one's ever able to stop him but just like drifting forward in the attack getting the ball like at the top of the box at an angle one touch forward and then just fucking roofing it
1: as <laughs> like, like I'm, I'm surprised the net doesn't break in half every time he's, he's a, a ninja time. like he's amazing how <laughs> he ends up in those spots and no one's near him like, you would think someone would know that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, you would think. Well, and
1: j- <laughs> apparently,
0: Thiago Silva is a ninja, too, because in that game, there, there was, like, one corner kick sequence. You remember this one where, like, no one covered him. Like, Milan just left him wide open. Chelsea got a corner kick. Uh, uh, he, he heads it. Keeper saves, right? And then second corner kick literally goes right back to Thiago Silva wide open keeper saves and then on the third corner kick he got it again like right on his head and heads it over and finally it's a goal kick but like three corner kicks in a row no coverage of tiago silva whatsoever
1: decent fantasy point output there by the center backs. So i will say that <laughs> yeah
0: exactly oh god but I, really,
1: <laughs> I do think that when it comes to england right backs trent alexander is far superior to reese james and should start every world cup match i think that i don't think reese james should start at all especially not against the united states
0: uh, yes, I am one hundred percent in support of that. Um, and, and let's let's leave alone that Tiago Silva thing. I just got PTSD from uh, what was it twenty was it twenty fourteen uh, when they played Mexico. Like, if he had scored on that corner kick, I would have won golden balls that year. I'm convinced, or at least mm-hmm. I'm just telling myself that. Tell yourself that. Uh, anyway, well, that was when defender goals were worth like a million points. So, uh, well, anyways. That will uh, do it for Champions League. Uh, Jared, the other European competitions, uh, I'll let you kind of run with this one. Uh, Europa League, uh, my only note on this, uh, almost had the trifecta here. Arsenal did uh, win against Bodo Glimt. Jose Mourinho did lose, uh, and United almost did uh, too. We almost had the trifecta there.
1: Yeah, I mean, it would have been nice to see United drop points there. Never a hope, uh, realistically, I mean, what they should what probably are you talking
0: be... about weren't they up like two? Who is this? I, I, mean,
1: I mean, there was never a philosophical hope, not nah, that ah, there, okay. I mean, there was not hope hope within the game itself. I just meant for those of us who wish ill on them, <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, Anything else in your Yeah, a couple more. You kind of alluded to it earlier. Uh, Union Saint Jada, uh, two goals in the 86th and 94th to steal a game at Braga. Uh, should also point out PSV, a big 5-1 win in Zurich. Uh, uh, mm. I just point that out to say that uh, Cody Gakpo is going to be sold either in January or next summer for, like, a lot of fucking money. And mm. uh, PSV is going to enjoy that windfall because that dude is fucking legit.
0: Yeah, yeah, love it, dude. Uh, and, and real quick on the Union uh game, that one was great because Galazzo Show, like, all the games are done except for that one. And that was the one where, you know, one team needed to push and get that, you know, last minute goal. And it came off of like this crazy scrum in front of the box. It was one of those just like, jam it in, Jimmy. And they just like kept hitting it towards goal, kept getting safe. And then finally, someone just kind of like dinks it over the line. And uh, the celebrations were so cool, especially from, from a club. And correct me if I'm wrong, Jared, but this is like a, a much newer club that sort of like skyrocketed through the tiers of Belgian football. And uh, there's like a really cool story behind them.
1: Yeah, there again, like this is when we talk about uh, Belgian teams, uh, this is certainly not one uh, that we've talked about very often. I, I don't think they're necessarily a new club, but I do think they spent like a, a whole boatload of seasons. Uh, not in the in the top division. I think they were yeah, dead.
0: or like I, new owners that came yeah. in, sort of like those Lincoln Red Imps, you know, or not the the Red Imps. Oh, what was that English team that that like made a run in the FA Cup, like eighth tier, you know? They they got promote, they secured promotion like seven straight seasons or something like
1: that. Yeah, but they, this was the original like big team and built like they won all the titles in like the 1900s. Like what are we? Oh, D90. okay, okay. <laughs> like, yes. But like they literally like they just got promoted like four last year. Like last year was their first year back in the top flight in some mm. time. And they make Europe and now, you know, they are you know, and this is a team that uh, I believe it was Rangers barely beat in the Champions League. Right. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, they finished second in the league last year. And, and so it's, it's a it's a massive uh, quick rise. And so. I think that for the fans, it's I think it's one of those like things where it's just, you know, you kind of have the Western fans be like, I can't believe what I'm seeing. And this is kind of like that only almost on a more extended, right? You get promoted. This is great. You finish second in the league. Holy shit. Now we're in Europe and we're like, we're actually competing and we're playing well and we're beating a team like Braga, who's yeah. like a, a notoriously good European team. And so and to do it in dramatic fashion on top, I, obviously they're on top of the, the proverbial world in the Europa League for sure.
0: Yeah, very cool, very cool. Um, and then any conference league action, Jared? That you'd uh, like yeah, to- the
1: only one that really came to note is uh, you know FC Köln, right? Uh, big win over Dortmund over the weekend, then return home to Czechs. Uh, yep, loses at home to Partizan Belgrade. If you <laughs> want to know, I think about Dortmund and their uh, you know the transitive property right now. That's how that's going. Uh, so that was kind of the big result, I would say. There, uh, nothing else. I mean, Villarreal did a Villarreal. I mean, they won five nothing against much beleaguered competition. I guess the the best game of the day was Balkani 4-Civisport 3. Uh, Civisport ties in the 92nd. Balkani wins in the 94th. That was probably about as dramatic as it got, but I can't say I watched any of that, so I have no idea what it looked like.
0: Yeah, neither do I. W- would you say Villarreal or sort of like um... – you know, the, the team that shouldn't be in conference league, but is like a, like a bigger club, like West Ham. Yeah, like, like Roma last year. year. Like,
1: like Roma or Roma. Like, yeah, obviously Roma. Being there and being like, yeah, this is not right. Oh uh, yeah, Villarreal right now. Uh, I would say maybe Fiorentina. Uh, I guess you could even argue West Ham just seem like they should not be playing teams like the ones they're playing in this tournament. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Very good. Um, And that will do it for our European nonsense featuring Jared Rebeck. Thank you, sir, for your insight on that all right moving on uh next segment uh, ask and ye shall receive. Uh, we're going to test out a new segment here. Uh, quick shout out to some of the traveling supporters, uh, Nibs, Jeff, and Tim, uh, on this one. Uh, just texting on the side and, and just having a laugh, a little bit of banter. Uh, because again, uh, Jared, you might know this, but there are other soccer threads other than uh, the Golden Balls thread. Uh, so yeah, we, we were just kind of bullshitting about, uh, uh, you know, just your classic, you know, most or best insert adjective here starting 11. Uh, and so yeah, we're going to. Gonna uh, test run and and see how this works. Uh, maybe do it like a weekly, one one a week. Uh, the superlative starting eleven, we're gonna call it. Um, and yeah, also a hat tip to uh, the one that we actually talked about uh, on this text thread, uh, the most toxic starting eleven. Uh, so yeah, we're gonna have a little bit of fun with this. Um, My most toxic starting 11 here. Uh, Basically, I oriented the entire thing around uh, Luis Suarez uh, just because, you know, he bites people uh, for fun and has like a history of it. This guy should be in like (laughs) biting jail or something. Um, But yeah, so I'm going to start off with Luis Suarez uh, as my nine uh, and all of the guys that he bit are going to be in my my starting 11 here, uh, going all the way back to his days playing in the Netherlands. Um, I, I actually never even heard of this guy. But, yeah, the first duty bit. Uh, who is he playing for Ajax, right? Uh, Atman Bakal, who is like a center attacking mid. So he's going to play as my uh, my 10 in a 4-2-3-1 uh, I'm going to have uh, Kalini obviously on the back line. Uh, Ivanovich will be my right back. Um, and yeah, just for fun, uh, because Suarez has not just bit people before, uh, but I'm going to chuck Patrice Evra in there, uh, we, we, lest we forget the uh, the racism row. Uh, Patrice Evra uh, accusing him of uh, you know racist talk in, in, in I forget which game it was. Uh, but yeah, so you know I'm sure that would be completely fine if they were on the same field, along with all the dudes that he bit. Um, and then uh, yeah, we're going to pair Lampard and Gerrard at the base of midfield uh, because LOL uh, obviously you can't fit two, there's only room for one of those guys uh, in a midfield um, and then rounding out the back line uh, John Terry and Wayne Bridge hat tip to the guys for that one, uh, you know, bridge on that back line so he can keep an eye on Terry uh, to make sure that he's not fucking his wife again. Um, and then, yeah, for the goalie, uh, I went for Pickford just because he's like really, really annoying uh, and, and not like toxic so much in a negative way, but just like super annoying or. I actually I, I just Googled toxic goalkeepers and literally the third result was Hugo Lloris for some reason, like his Wikipedia page. I don't know why. So Pickford or Lloris there and Jared. Obviously, we're going to round out the starting 11 uh, with Mario Balotelli because he just fits into literally every starting 11 uh, for whatever reason. Uh, why? Why always me? Uh, because you are Mario, dude. Uh, so, yeah. So Pickford in the back, Bridge, Kalini, Terry, Ivanovic, Lampard, Gerard, Otman Bacall in front of them. Evra, uh bumping up into midfield with Suarez and Balotelli on that front line. That, that That's pretty
1: toxic, man. It is good. And, you know, <laughs> I did these separately and then kind of compared. I think Balotelli was probably the only one I would have included. So I, I, I excluded him from my wish just to, for variety's sake. Okay. I also want to say, like, I just skipped kind of Zlatan and Cristiano Ronaldo as like the low-hanging fruit. Just because they inspire kind of that, you know, those reactions from people. So mm. they're kind of like the bench guys that can come in if we need a go away. Uh, I'll start from the back. Uh, my goalie is uh, Oliver Kahn, uh,
0: mm.
1: uh, you know, pretty much uh, almost railroaded the 2006 German World Cup team, right? With his uh, kind well, of. Well, I was gonna say for his personality or for spilling the ball? Uh, no, no, literally it's more of the personality stuff, right? The whole like Jens Lehman, like, you know, they were kind of going back and forth at each other uh over the starting spot in two thousand six. Uh Lehmann, by the way, probably wasn't innocent in all this, but I think Khan was probably the one who was was worse off. Do you remember like once they lost in the semis, Lehman made like a big public show being like, Yeah, I think I'm gonna let Khan play like the third place game as if it was like his fucking choice. And then Khan like for years afterward just be like, Fuck Jens Lehman and so he Right,
0: was- right, right. And we, we basically have part deux with uh with Neuer and, and right.
1: Terstig. <laughs> uh yeah. Exactly. So, mm-hmm. German goalies, obviously. That's uh, hilarious. hilarious. Uh, my defenders, in uh, in no particular order, across the back line. Uh, Ashley Cole, uh, not only for his you know Cashley Cole nickname for his club drama, but also becoming you know a public enemy in uh, England due to his infidelity with his wife Cheryl. Mm. Uh, obviously, you know the little toxicity there as well. Yeah. Um, Rafa Marquez. I don't even think I knew to explain why he is toxic. Just. <laughs>
0: yeah I, I had a feeling you'd have a lot of like u.s centric ones just like hated mexico
1: <laughs> <players>. <laughs> yeah he's not really the only hated mexican on here but he's okay. so far and away and then as a red bull fan, just like that double that double dip of just like him coming here and just not even giving half a shit um yeah marco moderazzi i don't think i need to explain too much Ah, nice his level as a, as a toxic uh you know dude in general uh, also uh running up my back line is uh pepe uh i again i can we can spend all day here talking about his list of transgressions on the oh th- my god yeah. player as well uh three-man midfield uh you know uh, going along with your john terry wayne bridge i've decided to include john harks here uh, oh nice good idea when you're the captain of a team to sleep with your teammate's wife right before you woke up <laughs> and then get dropped not a, not an ideal situation there um roy Keane. Uh, Not only on the field, again, like we talked about the, you know, the the leg breaking tackles, of course, with, you know, Alfie Holland, uh, the chief among them. Also remember his 2002 World Cup dust up with Ireland where he like just left the World Cup like randomly and then like went back home. Yeah. uh, You know, McCarthy. Uh, I don't think any toxic list can be made with a midfielder that doesn't include Joey Barton oh yes sir oh that's great all you have to do is just show that
0: youtube video on repeat of him like adopting the fake french accent when he started playing for Marseille.
1: that's absolutely uh (laughs) a human being professional both as a coach and by the way as a manager he can just be a player manager here and uh and whatever uh frontline i think the most mainstream guy i went with is probably just uh, neymar just again like with the the showboating and everything else and and kind of has spawned this generation of you know, like there were Charlesons of the world who kind of are starting to do the same thing. Uh, not only that, he was in that you know that TikTok video supporting Bolsonaro last week, mm. not not ideal there as well. Uh, Nicholas Anelka is my number nine up center forward. Uh, we can talk all about his you know 2010 World Cup drama with France.
0: Uh, obviously, yeah, all your players would either just like leave the camp or like get kicked out of camp, yeah.
1: It just uh, you don't know, uh, and you can't play. That's the definition. Of <laughs> And uh, lastly, this is more of like a, a troll than a toxic player, per se, but uh, Emmanuel Adebayor, because, you know, uh, you know, he's. a. Bit oh, of- are you trolling me, Jared? Uh, no, just I mean, look, it happens to affect you. But come on, that is one of the biggest like troll, like toxic moves of all time, like in like on the field that didn't like injure somebody. So uh, okay. I felt I, I had to include Emmanuel Adebayor.
0: Yeah, I don't. I have no idea what you're talking about, Jared. He is an angel and a saint, and one of my favorite Arsenal. So again, on in the, again, in,
1: the uh, in the back, Modrici, Pepe, Cole, and Marquez, Barton, Harks, and Roy Keane, Neymar, Anelka, and Emmanuel Adebayor. Uh, uh, a lot of toxicity in that team, if I if I may say so myself
0: uh yeah i mean that's that's system of a down levels of, of toxicity right there but um, all right very good uh i think that'll do it for our, our first superlative starting 11 jared i would say a smashing success uh why don't we chuck it in there uh enjoy it. it
1: i enjoyed it greatly
0: yeah yeah we'll, we'll see what happens with it uh that goes out to you guys to our traveling supporters we do it all for you guys we do it all for you all right um last segment tried and true though uh let's go with the own goal of the day jared is your gracious podcast host i'll allow you to go
1: first uh yeah uh let's go to the second level of u.s soccer because you know i always want to get that american soccer in there Mm. Uh, new mexico united la galaxy 2 the match postponed after six minutes due to a bad field waterlogged pitch and all and then they delayed the game for 90 minutes and then canceled it uh, I'm going to give a little own goal to the person who decided that let's play six minutes before deciding that this field with puddles and like mounds of dirt and mud was not playable. Like as if we needed the uh, evidence. It, it kind of brought me back to a personal, uh, what, what year was it we were in college at the ACC tournament when, you guys came all the way down from Maryland, and then your game was canceled. Like, the semifinal was canceled. Oh, uh, dude,
0: canceled. It was, it was, I think it was my uh, my sophomore year, yeah. our <laughs> sophomore year, so, like, 05. Right.
1: And, like, so we were playing, like, UVA in the first semi, and the guys literally could not pass the ball on the ground to each other because it was, like, a, a river on the field. And we're just sitting there being, like, how can you not postpone this game? Jared, uh, and- we we
0: rolled up yeah. in, in our bus, right? And because we were the second game, right? You guys were already playing. And we, like we knew it was going to be rainy and stuff, but not that bad. And we get off the bus and w- we're watching the end of this game. Like the players, they couldn't dribble. They no. would have to like they would have to like juggle it to themselves to advance the ball up the field. And it was one of those where like if you kicked it, it would literally just like die on the yeah,
1: spot. The, like, the guys are doing like the little scoop passes, like the little yeah. passes to each other from like five yards away. Uh, of course, uh, in that game, UVA scored before it started monsooning and won. Uh, and then, yeah, just like we, we actually made eye contact, like, you know, hadn't seen each other in a while. And we were both just like shaking our head like this is not this is not cool. Dude, it was so
0: bad. And the, the real quick, the fun uh,
1: anecdote uh, uh, epilogue on that one
0: is that, uh, right, they canceled the game. And so we have to turn around and go home. And like as we're going home. Uh, we order new buses. Uh, we recruit like more people to come on the buses and literally turned around within like 12 hours, drove to carry, drove back, got on another bus and then drove back for the replay the next day.
1: Oh, less, less, more fun for you than it was for me. But this kind of just yeah. remind me of that it's like, wait, you kind of know when you can't play, like you don't need to go through six minutes. Yeah. Like, oh, wait, there's like puddles here. That's that, like that's that's dumb. So do better. And let's just postpone games ahead of time. So the fans and players aren't screwed, please. Yep,
0: hundred uh, percent. And my own goal of the day, going to give a shout out to uh, to MLS. Jared, you sent this clip along. Uh, to the soccer thread. Uh, Charlotte FC against uh, the Columbus crew, which, by the way, had huge playoff implications, right? Yep. So, and and uh, Zellerion uh, on the crew, uh, he gets a, a free kick in, in midfield. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm giving the own goal of the day to uh, Christian Kalina, the Charlotte FC goalkeeper, uh, for this absolute howler here. So Zellerion gets this free kick at about midfield. And he, he, actually, even the Charlotte FC player Does the whole thing like stand in front of the ball, like let your team get set? No surprises here. And then finally, you know, the referee after a few seconds brushes him away. And now Zellerion's got some space. And you think he's just going to like restart it, you know, put it down and play type of thing. No, he sees that the keeper is still off of his line, even after after all this. uh, And he just fucking pings it, puts it on a rope goal 60 what was it like 61.5 yards out or something like that uh whatever it was one i think one of the longest if not the longest goal since they've been keeping track of that uh and scores and again huge playoff implications here uh charlotte fc does not make the playoffs because of this uh so own goal of the day goes to christian kalina the goalkeeper for charlotte fc
1: yeah, they needed a win in this game. A draw wasn't enough, and as it happened, they actually got the draw in about the 92nd minute. Right, scoring the last second to get the draw wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. One can only think that maybe if you don't give up this goal and that game is tied in the 92nd minute, maybe that you know maybe they get a winning goal and stay alive. As it is, as you said, uh, you know, season for them as a as a you know as a expansion team. But I, I think they will. Obviously, he will feel bad. Kalina will feel bad enough on his own, but I think they'll, they'll feel particularly bad if that's kind of how it happened.
0: Yeah, let, let's let's just say they'll learn their lesson from that one. Um, also, can I uh, do a little twofer here? Uh, randomly saw this. This is definitely an own goal of the day. Not soccer-related, but sports-related. Uh, did you see this, Jared, that um, Saudi Arabia has been picked to host uh, the 2029 Asian Winter Olympic Games? It, 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 it's literally a fucking desert. They have not one single ski slope in the country. Uh, they're host Saudi Arabia is hosting a Winter Games, uh, and, and I only bring that up because, like, in obviously in the context of the Qatar World Cup and like bringing these events to the farthest, most remote regions of the earth that make no sense, no fucking sense whatsoever. Saudi Arabia is going to host a Winter Olympic Games.
1: Maybe they're going to ski on oil
0: instead of snow. There you have it. All right. Uh, Well, anyways, yeah, just saw that and thought I'd throw it in there. Uh, Let's let's go ahead and wrap this bad boy up, Jared. Uh, Let's get to our stoppage time winners. We are officially in stoppage time. So it is time for our stoppage time uh, winners. Uh, I'm going to keep mine simple here. Uh, we, we've all seen it coming for a very long time, uh, and we have uh, mentioned it uh, for other athletes in other sports. Um, and again, we, we knew this was going to be uh, Messi's last World Cup, but he has officially announced that Qatar uh, will be his last one. Um, and, and they might go out with a bang, uh, talk about those FIFA rankings. They're up to uh, number three. I think they finally put a lot of the pieces in place for them to be successful. Uh, so who knows? You, you only hope that uh he'll go out with that bang but but yeah just what we've talked about again jared you know it's like we are so lucky to have been blessed with these athletes uh you know go out and see them uh if you can um and yeah it's 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 also sort of sobering um Uh, to see that their their careers are coming to a close and that uh, at some point this ride will end and we won't be able to watch them them play anymore. So you kind of I know it's kind of cliche, but you have to cherish every moment uh, that you have with it.
1: Uh, And no no pressure for him, right? Yeah. Oh, my
0: God. Yeah. Uh, Only literally the weight of an entire country on his shoulders. Um, And and also, by the way, uh, the U.S. women are playing England in just a few hours. So tune into that one.
1: Yes. I have a little double as well. I actually wasn't even going to include this, but after we did an 11, you know, whatever I, I came across it, uh, St. Louis SC, right. An expansion team starting, I believe next season, MLS. Um, they're, I guess they're like their president or, or the guy who's kind of creating the roster. What's Steel or Steel, I should say. You might actually, if you listen to like the Grant Wall podcast and a couple others, he's been interviewed on more than one occasion. He kind of has like a, a really interesting history, but he made some crack in, um, about how they had pretty much like sold like their full season ticket allotment for their first season. And so someone asked him about like what big signings. Yeah, you're going to sign one of like these guys, right. The, the big names in MLS. And he made some crack about, um, you know how like look, we've already sold our tickets. Like we don't care. Especially like he's like we could go like play at Disney and start like Pluto up top and Goofy and Goal, and we'd still uh-huh. sell out. Which kind of led to everyone on Twitter doing like their Disney Elevens. Uh-huh. And so if you if you actually track down his statements on Twitter, you can kind of just see what some people were saying. And there were uh, obviously all sorts of funny, uh, you know, jokes about you know uh, Mulan and and Ariel and. <laughs> and all- <laughs> characters and whether Pumbaa would make a good center back and and you know, with Winnie the Pooh and all that good stuff. So if you're if you have any interest in Disney at all and you like those kind of things, I thought it was pretty amusing. Um also uh, women's world cup qualifying keeps chugging along i did, like i thought this was like kind of done at this point but um european qualifying they're kind of their playoff round oh god so, like, like france 27 moldova nothing no this is actually the this is like actually all the second tier teams playing each other trying, oh, okay okay so is it's that we're, we're done with those parts but uh Good. scotland and wales specifically also portugal all with uh, single leg victories over Austria, Bosnia, and Belgium, respectively. Scotland and Wales both in extra time, and now there are going to be three games, I believe. I like, maybe like on Tuesday, Portugal, Iceland, Scotland, Ireland, and Switzerland, Wales. And there's some sort of weird thing where like the two best of those three teams like go to the World Cup. The last one goes to like the inter-confederation playoff, which is a lot bigger for the Women's World Cup than the men's one. But, uh, you know, if you're rooting again, if you kind of have a disposition against English soccer, and you so you kind of root for Scotland and Wales by default, uh, a couple of good results for those ladies in, uh, in extra time. And I know Scotland's kind of been in a World Cup or two, and I know Wales is trying to get there as well. So, you know, growth of the game and all that. But two dramatic events on the islands if you are uh, looking for some women to whet your Women's World Cup appetite before next summer.
0: Yes, 100%. And Jared, especially with the way that we had
1: to start this podcast,
0: uh, I think that is a great way to end uh, the podcast, uh, the the women's game. Uh, Yeah, a lot of cool European uh, games to be played. And again, like I said, the US women playing England uh, in just a few hours. So tune into that. Uh, England are catching up the rest of the world's catching up to the US a little bit more competition there.
1: Yeah, this should be a good test. Uh, you know, I, I think we've seen on both sides, really though, sadly, like quite a lot of players having to pull out injured, uh, both before the rosters came out and even sure. since the rosters came out. Alex Morgan, uh, a number of other players. I know there have been a couple of English players whose names escape me at the second that have pulled out injured. So won't be, you know, a complete A on A team, but. Uh, you know, maybe let's say some B-plus teams against each other. So it'll be a good test for both teams. Uh, and and you, I guess you would probably say uh, you would not be surprised in the least if, if when the sun set next month or next year, that this might be a preview of the women's World Cup final next summer.
0: It very well could be. Well, all right, uh, Jared, the referee has looked at his watch. He has pointed to the center circle and blown his whistle uh, for full time. Uh, that's going to go ahead and do it for us, um, yeah, great podcast, Jay. I really appreciated that and, and had a blast. Uh, to you, uh, thank you so much for your time, your insight, and of course, the banter. Um, and to the traveling supporters, uh, thank you so much for listening. And until next time, bye bye. He's our striker, he's on fire. Oh, hot, hotter than Mitrovich scoring goals home and away he's playing for the ticks and he's on fire grand talk was a catastrophe he just wouldn't go away oh and then will grig turned it round cost us one
1: million pounds oh i said will grig turned it round cost us £1 million. (laughs) Will,
0: Greg is on fire. Come on now. Will, Greg is on fire.